You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. And we're back with an all-new episode of Keep It. I'm Ira Madison III. I'm autumnal Louis Fertel. Ooh, spooky, beige. Things we love about the season. Girl, Halloween is over. I know. I'm like, I'm into it now. I much prefer November to October. It's Christmas season, okay? Mariah Carey right, said yeah, right. so. Elvira has wilted. <laughs> Mariah has risen. <laughs> And we are joined by the lovely guest host, Sylvia Obel. Hello. Hi. I, too, am a Christmas stan, so I'm so excited to be in November. <laughs> <laughs> Me, too, actually. And also, like, not that I dislike going home to my family, but I, I, I go every year. But, like, I don't know why I'm such a Christmas person, ultimately. Maybe it's just everything chills and you actually get time off. Yeah. I mean, I just like the, the food and the gifts. And then, you know, mm. to Jesus' birthday. Thank you. You know, that's part. It's nice, too. But I Halloween, I just like to spectate from my couch because I can just never get behind spending money on a costume I'll never wear again. I don't know. Mm. Mm. <laughs> but you I know, enjoy I, watching everybody else enjoy <laughs> Halloween. <laughs> well, you know, that that is that is gay culture, Sylvia. Um, <laughs> I feel like we are constantly spending money on outfits that we never wear again. So that, oh that fast fashion um, has nothing on us. Fast fashion. <laughs> no, my costume this year was, uh, I was Guile from Street Fighter, so I had to wear like army fatigues and stuff. Now I actually own army pants that were like 50 bucks. And I have, I have not one occasion ever again where they will ever be viable to me. I will never wear them in jest. I know you look at me and you think, oh, the military. But I actually have no reason to wear this again. I, uh... Well, you saw I I was mini costumes. I was like Quicksilver um, from WandaVision. And then I was Princess Diana in her Northwestern outfit. I lived for that costume. When I Thank tell you, you, I made everybody in the room I was in when it popped up on my Instagram look and see. I was like, <laughs> this is it. This is the one. <laughs> well, see, I love that. But then on the flip side... Um, I am going to reuse the bag because I did locate a vintage, <laughs> the vintage Gucci purse that she was wearing because uh, I'm a psycho. But yeah, what I was wearing a Northwestern sweater, which she wears in the paparazzi photo. And you know that it like hurt me to not be wearing NYU purple. That's wearing Northwestern yeah, purple. Rough. And I'm never going to wear that again. Uh, <laughs> Just to be clear, you were with a bunch of people who were also dressed as Diana on the go. Yes. Correct? Yes. Uh, mm -hmm. Friday night, I, I was the only Diana. And then Sunday, other people um, decided to dress up as Diana. You know, so we were just like a roving trip of Diana. <laughs> uh, I also want to say the thing about Halloween costumes is that. Sometimes, especially when you like get to the last minute of ordering, you end up ordering things of more than one size so you know which one will fit. Mm. And so now I have like two other Northwestern sweaters, too. 
It's very, it's wow. very annoying. But uh, well, I'm you're just like Cloris Leachman, or who else went to Northwestern? Uh, Charlotte Ray, pa- Patricia Neal. Mm. They, they have uh, a good Meryl J- Streep's daughter. They have a good J school. You can just pretend. <laughs> yeah. Well, McGill. Yes. Well, I went to Loyola or Chicago, McGill. so it's like a rival school. Oh, you can't even really do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we just constantly yeah. kept hearing about how their theater department was better than the um, the little shack that our theater department was run on this rundown um house on Haunted Hill. But um, <laughs> I'm excited that you're here, Sylvia, because we could do a much needed catch up on some drama that's happened. First of all, not just in the Bravo world, but in the real world, because so we, we've talked before on this show about how Bravo has shifted into true crime. Um, <laughs> it keeps doing that. And truly last week, it felt like every headline was about a Bravo show. And not anything to do with what was happening on the shows. Um, the Dorit Kemsley's house was broken into. Uh, she was held. She was held at gunpoint, a la Kim Kardashian. Um, and this is a thing that all it happened to another woman on the show, Kyle Richards. And it's like it makes you question like reality stars having their actual homes on TV. Right. Oh yeah. I you just put your finger on it. I mean, that that is terribly frightening. <laughs> no, the Dorit uh, story was crazy. I was like, but it also came out the same day as I felt like it was like one specific day of last week where it was like yes. everything to do with Beverly Hills Housewives, but nothing to do with the reunion, which in itself is crazy. Yes. Uh, the same day that it was alleged that Zayn Malik um, shoved. Yolanda Hadid, Yolanda Hadid yes. uh, the mother, the grandmother of his child with uh, Gigi. Gigi. So yeah. uh, I was like, what? <laughs> it was just so I was like, what is happening? I just the Bravo world. Wait, and, and they ended up breaking up. Yeah, right? they, they, yeah, they, they put split. out a statement. Uh, and apparently the scuffle happened at like I always forget that Yolanda Hadid owns a expansive farm in Pennsylvania. <laughs> and that's where it happened. So, oh, okay. it, it, you know, it was giving very um, Douglas Sirk melodrama. Yeah, there was a lot there. And I feel like that's not the last we're going to hear of the story. Um, can't wait to find. I mean, I, I'm just dying for more details every single time because I just don't even know how we got there. And I'm a little sad because I kind of like Gigi and Zane. So, hate it to I've always enjoyed this. them, too. Um and yeah, it's it, like there, I remember stories before too about though about how they tried to have an intervention for him, uh, and it involved yeah, you know yeah. like uh, candles and mystics and stuff. So I think that everyone involved uh, is not playing with a full deck. I think they have. I think they <laughs> may just be playing with a three. So playing um, with a three. Yeah. You, you think uh, to quote Nile, there's some slow hands. Going on. <laughs> <laughs> no one, no one, no one is ever <laughs> quoting Nile. Actually, <laughs> watch. <right here. laughs> I forgot that you like that song. <laughs> no, it's a good song. It's one of the best of the the, the post one D singles. I think Zane, unfortunately, um, you know, I was going to say he has the worst, but it's actually um, Liam that has the Liam, worst. For Liam sure. has the no, worst song. Even I know that. But Zane's are aggressively boring. Mm. Also, he like top Billboard too uh, with uh, the pill. Pillow Talk, yeah, right? Pillow yeah. Talk, and then he has this weird song, "Bitty Bomb" with Nicki Minaj, that was in one of the Fifty Shades movies. So, oh wow, I do remember that one. Speaking of Nicki, Ira, I have to know how do you feel about the confirmation that she is indeed coming to help Andy host the Potomac 
um, reunion, they showed a clip at it's... the end of the finale. And I said, wow, Nikki, they really brought Nikki to do this. Like, I just knew she fun. was out after the Vax. But it looks fun. There. But I'm also just like the willingness to ignore like everything that Nikki has been doing recently <laughs> to get her to be part of the Potomac reunion. And when he was asked about it, on the red carpet, he was like, uh, you know, we didn't really get into politics or any controversy. You know, like the women were happy to see her. The fans will be happy to see her. I'm like, it's a lot of selective dissonance. Yeah. Is Nikki really going to bring this conversation to like, are, are we good? I don't I feel like she can only. um Shall we say intensify it? It, it won't be. It won't. We, we won't get like a a conversation out of I this. I feel like she's gonna come in like a tornado. <laughs> I think she's just gonna read everybody one by one and then leave. Like it's just in a tornado of chaos is what I imagine. But I think I heard murmurings that her, she really gets into Candace, and mm-hmm. I personally just need to see that happen because nobody's really gotten into Candace the way I feel like they need to at a reunion. So, and you know, I we'll am see, a Candace, but... you, you know, I am a Candace Stan. Um, yeah, you're a Candace Stan. I, I don't uh, you know. She okay. needs some help, but I'm a Stan. Uh, we got one on mama's mouth. She just be like, you'd be like, oh, I don't like your pants. Your mama's a crack whore. It's like, wow, why? <laughs> it doesn't match. It doesn't match. <laughs> and, and I just finally want to dead. The, the big drama on Salt Lake City is that one of the Meredith Mark's son, Brooks Marks, who's like 23 years old. Uh, Jen Shaw referred to him as like gay and like a bitch, uh, a sissy bitch who needed to be slapped um, on the internet. I'm familiar with the type. Yeah. (laughs) Meredith's argument was that her son has never publicly talked about his sexuality and she found it homophobic and like basically outing of her son. But I want to point out, if your son is 23 and doing confessionals on the show, like he's a reality star and mm. is running into us at Motel 23 and taking photos <laughs> with multiple Dianas. The gig is up, Sid. <laughs> if he's running up to somebody and saying it's giving Diana, then... <laughs> it was never really a question. I felt like I just, right. when that episode happened, I said, oh, he's not? I, yeah. Oh, like it's that was my of, reaction. Oh, it's a lot out? of scabs. Uh, but anyway, his candle's in the wind, if you know what I mean. You know? Yeah. <laughs> this has been your Bravo report. Yes, n- now I'm up to date. <laughs> a whirlwind, uh, just like the network. Uh, That's right. All right, we've got a, uh, we've got, um, well, because it's been a very slow news week, unfortunately. I thought that we would get into what we've been watching. Um, Sylvia has been checking out Insecure and Succession, and Lewis has been watching some old movies because that's what you do, Lewis. And uh, I have been watching Days of Our Lives, which is Possessed Marlena once again. Uh, after 25 years, the devil is back in Salem. So we're going to talk about what we've been watching on TV. And we're going to talk to the wonderful Gabby Hoffman about the new film, Come On, Come On, that she's in from one of our favorites, Mike Mills. So there's more Keep It coming up next. I've been told the supply chain is making our consumption of goods difficult. 
Uh, I only half hmm. understand that joke. Uh, so the only thing we have to consume is TV and movies. So what have we been watching? Sylvia? Oh, okay. We'll let you go first as our lovely guest. What have you been watching? What should the girls, you know, be tuning into? Okay. I feel, I'm very excited. I was like, oh, I'm so excited to go first. But I feel like I have such a range. Like, I think, like, the, the shows I'm going to mention are really on, like, opposite ends of my interest spectrum. Um, I want to start with Succession because I watched that the most recently this Sunday. And, White excellence. Um, White excellence is what I Caucasian chaos as... is what I call it. <laughs> Caucasian chaos. Just wealthy, uh, chaos, yeah. one percenters, mm-hmm. acting, running amok. And it's just... Such a hilarious glimpse into a world I will never have access to. But I'll often wonder, like, can they be as dumb as it seems when they present themselves? And it's like, yes. And so it's just fun to see Kendall literally just throw, like, this season is, um, this season, the family's kind of just separating because Kendall is trying to take down his dad. And it's a lot of toxic family behavior. Like, this is just, like, anything that I could imagine happening at the Thanksgiving table, like, times a thousand. And it's just been really fun to see the power dynamics between him and his siblings and their dad, who everybody seems to be afraid of. And, like, um, if the... FBI and the government are going to come in and take down, you know, for all these things. And I'm like, I, I don't know. The whole time I watch it, I just felt like I, I'm trying to figure out where I wanted to go with Kendall because it just felt like I, do you guys watch? I guess I should figure out. Do you guys watch Succession? Like, is there I love Succession. I okay. love it. I read us. I I fell out of watching it for reasons I'll get into after you're done. Okay. But, um, but in this season, I think Kendall is just gro- like it was fun at first to watch him blow things up and see what's happening. But I think mm. by this episode, like episode three, which aired this Sunday, it's starting to feel like a manic episode. It's starting to make me wonder, like, is it coke? Like, I don't really know if Kendall really <laughs> knows what's what's leading Kendall, where he's going. It's he's not just, a like, well man. Tornado. I was Kendall, like, I, he like, needs some help. We, he needs some help because he seemed. We thought. I thought he had a noble mission by like, well, exposing you know the the rape culture of his father's company with the whole cruise line thing, and but it's turned into just this egotistical tornado running through New York about him just you know, loving to see his bad tweets and his good tweets and wanting to get on the nightly show. Which shout out to Z-Way popped yeah. up as like the nightly show host this episode <laughs> and i was like oh my god we don't we get two black people this season not just one <laughs> so like it was nice to see her and uh, basically play a version of herself i guess and um but yeah i i'm really into trying to figure out who is doing the best strategy to survive what seems to be this downward spiral that the family company is going through mm-hmm. in my heart i like to root for shiv just because she's the only woman but like ship also has a lot of issues and she really let the chopper sing on her brother this week but i'm and then Ro- roman who is my favorite Culkin, um <laughs> is, <laughs> is just like i just love his character in general but mm-hmm. i don't know i have a lot of feelings what do you guys feel about the show well so i love succession you know i feel what's what's so fun is like i was with some people this weekend uh and i i forgot that um 
sometimes people actually enjoy the chaos of my Instagram stories. Uh, I mostly do them to amuse myself. And someone pointed out that like I had this obsession with putting things to the theme song of Succession like a couple years ago, and that's what actually got them to start watching the show. Uh, and I was like, it was in its white excellence phase before but now season three is very stressful to watch for me uh and it because it is it is constantly a lot of switching alliances and i'm a kendall roy fan but it does feel manic and stressful to watch him what i think is exciting is having grown up on like you know like young and restless and stuff like that which always has like family boardroom drama this one is Mm -hmm. really turning it on its head in the sense that like no one is sort of in the right because yes, yeah. Kendall wants to, to take to down his dad, but it's all for self-serving reasons. So no, he, it's not like he has a noble cause of wanting to bring everything mm-hmm. to light. He just wants power, <laughs> and I think right. it really sort of like translates, you know, um, sort of the power grabs and things we see in the media um, now. You know, it reminds you of like like Mark Zuckerberg and this whole meta stuff, right? You know, it's yeah. very much. Um, we want to change the world, you know? We want to represent the world that we're living in. It's like, okay, yeah. but your company your company is evil. Right. Or even just down to, like, the, we did this terrible thing, but let's just change the name and let's do that. Or it's like, who's being paid millions to come up with these very small ideas that aren't really helpful? And that's, like, what I feel right. like. And it gives you the idea of, like, how fucking proud of themselves people are for doing stuff like that like you know someone came up with the name meta and meta. We're, we're like like we're, like we're orgasming in a boardroom being like yes. meta meta it's, it's the future it. this is it i see it yeah no exactly that because they literally had that in this episode where they're trying to rebrand and the guy was like i came up with this phrase and it was something so simple like we see you or we got it and it's like that's that's what you get paid millions of dollars for. Like, please, somebody give me millions to come up with mediocre ideas. I would love that. <laughs> <laughs> My thing about this show is, while I, I watched the entire first season, I felt like I got enough of what the what the show is about, which mm. is to say they're all wretched and <laughs> like we're into we're into the turmoil and it's going to continue to be turmoil and Kendall's going to continue to have problems and so it's just like I got my fill basically mm. and I know like Holly Hunter appeared and that's like one of my patron saints and I should really care about that mm. but you just talked about how people went from watching your Instagram stories with the succession theme on it to the show I could be um, persuaded to rejoin because blurbs from brian cox's new book just came out Girl, and he is a little bitch she, she <laughs> went in have you seen any of these sylvia no oh my god okay. no. so he started he for, for he just like picks in the blurbs i've seen he just picks a bunch of actors and then says how shitty they are he oh, goes about lovely. johnny depp Personable, though I'm sure he is, Depp is so overblown, so overrated. And then he continues, I mean, Edward Scissorhands, let's face it. If you come on with hands like that and pale, scarred up face makeup, you don't have to do anything. And he didn't. And subsequently, he's done even less. Woof. <laughs> Guys, you know, Woof. Here's, here, here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say. If you're if you have an actor who's like in their 70s and maybe didn't quite get their due their entire lives, you hit that person up for an interview because you're going to get the tidbits. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know, the uh, like we uh, this is not th- the same thing at all. But like Quincy Jones, he was just waiting around to give us the best stories we've ever heard and, t- and call Ringo Starr an asshole. Like these people are waiting to drop Angelica Houston. It's, yeah. Give, yeah. it's definitely giving Quincy Jones. And I um, mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I, I, that's exactly what came to my mind. I think it's like when they get to certain ages, like, I don't care. I'm about to, you know, whatever. What are you going to do? Ruin my career yeah. at this point? I'm wrapping mm-hmm. it up anyway. Um, I would say yeah. that this, the, what's so entertaining about that is that it, it's basically, it seems like his character is him. No, uh, it, it reminded me of the character. Yeah. It's, like, it's like he's playing himself. The, the fearsomeness of the character. Yeah. Like like he he's exhibiting the thing that makes the character watch. And I will yeah. offer you know what what is best for a show like this, which is very soapy, um, and also a comedy, is that yeah. um, if you get into the rhythm of it, that's why you watch it. You know, it's like yes, you've seen sort of like the configurations and where the show's going to go, and there's always going to be new twists that you can't see coming. But also, it's just it's so fucking funny. It's my favorite comedy yeah. on TV, to be honest. Oh, um, okay. And where, oh. and where? No, it's like Gothic Veep yeah. is what I want. Yeah, that's oh. what it, that's oh. truly what it is. The insults Gothic and the jokes, Veep. the insults and the yes. jokes, and you know, it's like, um, you know, someone called someone something Linguini the other week. It's just, it, it's so. It's just the quips. The quips are hilarious. The quips are so funny. Yeah. And that is what I tune in for, especially when, as we've talked before on this show, and I think when we were on Michelle Collins's podcast, Lewis, about the fact that, you know, like, with, like the Ted Lassos and things, you know, where it's like comedy has reverted for sitcoms into just like people being sort of nice to each other and no plot oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and just pop culture references. It's nice yeah. to have, yeah. it's nice to have like searing um, comedy each week. Oh yeah, bastardliness. Yeah. yeah, right. No, the thing I loved about V. Yeah. Yeah, and I would be really quickly just remiss if I came up here on Keep It and did not acknowledge the final season of Insecure at all. Um, mm-hmm. because that is definitely what has my most attention on TV right now as it wraps up. And I really just wanted to come because I I don't know if I've ever heard you say this or not, but are you Lawrence Hive or are you like Team Issa and everybody else end up single at the end of the series as it wraps up? I'm Team Issa because I will actually say that like I um not to spoil anything but like I'm currently working on a new show um which is about a breakup and I'm keep having insecure in my mind and I am mm. always of the opinion that sort of like let that nigga go. I don't want to see. I don't want to see when someone breaks up with someone on a TV show. Like with like the fact that Lawrence has been in every season and you continue to see this man. I'm like, I don't want to see him. You know, and and it's very (laughs) weird in the sense of like people do go in in and out of your life when there are breakups. You know, the 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 breakup I'm interested in is Molly because like uh, the the deterioration of a friendship um, is more interesting to me. Uh, It feels more personal to my journey as a human being um, than, Mm. you know, sort of this like sweeping romance. Uh, And that's what I'm interested in. Yeah, and um, that seems to be what they're digging into this season more so. Like, they seem like they wrapped up that Lawrence thing. Even though, like, a bad ex, he's always going to pop back up. But mm-hmm. I do think that they're digging in on her and Molly's friendship. But I love the idea that this show about black women um, at its core is maybe possibly going to end with not, like, some type of happily ever after where you need some type of sort of man to make it that. But to mm-hmm. just be, like, our friendship is our central relationship, so... Anyway, mm-hmm. just wanted to get your thoughts real quick. No, yeah, I'm enjoying. I'm enjoying the season. I'm loving it. Um, it's just nice seeing like the fifth season wrap up. You know, like this story that uh, Issa started. Uh, even if the internet is still fighting over whether or not people can wear <laughs> AKA Lewis, people fought over uh, <laughs> Amanda Seals' character wearing um, the AKA colors uh, because because she, she's because yeah, right, she's not right. an AKA. 
Uh, oh, wow. As if she's the first actress to ever wear AKA, be an AKA, but not in real life. It's just like, girl, the Bloods didn't even give the Gilda this hard of a time, and they're in a literal gang. So I don't understand <laughs> what, what is happening there. But every it was, time, I lo- every every time, time I'm sad I didn't go to an HBCU, I'm always like, <laughs> I, I have enough treachery in my life it being right in theater, back. okay? Uh, <laughs> it, it, it took me right back to mine. I was like, ooh, PTSD. <laughs> Greek, <laughs> Greek culture is running amok on black Twitter right now. But yeah, good times. Insecure always shakes up the timeline. <laughs> yeah. So, Lewis, what have you been watching? What old movie, bitch? Well, here, okay, I, I sort of didn't, didn't anticipate this happening, but over Halloween weekend, I mean, I guess this happens with a ton of people. I had a ton of plans and generally speaking, executed them on Friday and Saturday. And then by the time Halloween came around, for, we have to put these gays out to pasture because they will just go out all fucking day. And dr- it's like days of wine and roses. They're like, <laughs> like drunk all day. I was like, I am sitting at home. I am like lo- looking through my hands. I, you know, I look like a character in a Bergman drama. Um, so I just decided how am I going to uh, quote unquote comfort myself. And I realized, you know, some of my favorite movies that star Meryl Streep, I haven't seen now in like 15 years. The problem with being a movie fan is that you have to kind of like keep these balls in the air for yourself. Like a movie that you love, you may not have seen in 20 years and you're operating off that impression. So you don't even know if it's accurate anymore. So, you know, I was a different person 15 years ago, whatever. So I decided to watch two movies I have long loved, which are Kramer versus Kramer and Silkwood. Mm-hmm. Um, Kramer versus Kramer, where she's, uh, you know, the uh, divorcee of Dustin Hoffman, who is sort of this... Um, white collar asshole and she walks out on him and their kid and he she leaves him to um raise the kid for about a year and a half and then there's a a courtroom scene a divorce scene where she gives a speech that meryl streep herself wrote um and she eventually won the academy award for uh, best supporting actress he won the academy award for best actor let me just say about this is she in the wga (laughs) i know it's so weird that she hasn't done more writing because she's one of these like you know for, for real brilliant people but um in this movie, they kind of acknowledge this. They say that Dustin Hoffman's character has a temper. Excuse me, he is fucking scary in this movie. And I find Dustin Hoffman routinely scary in movies. And this brings up a point I wanted to ask you guys. Do people really yell at each other in movies anymore or in real life? Well, yes, if it's a Tyler Perry movie. Um, it's kind of it's kind of a trope of like 70s movies now mm. where like people get into fights and like you know like scream at each other over a table and stuff it's just not how things are done anymore I wonder if it's because of things like email and being able to settle things not in a face-to-face like confrontational way or something on shows now instead of like having it out I love arguments though because like some of my favorite scenes are like uh, you know, Vanessa Williams and Soul Food being like, fuck the family. The family fucks yeah. my husband. Or like Angela Bassett, like being like, damn you, John. Like, I just love, I miss that. I want more. I want more. No. And, and it's very like, um, it's very theater too, right? Yeah. Like all the greatest plays have like screaming confrontations of some kind. I think that you could say that your theatrical friends, um, Lewis, still engage in that. <laughs> sure okay uh, I'm, I, I'm saying it's I, possible i think you've yeah. seen me in a shouting argument with someone before uh but it okay. does <laughs> but it is something that feels like it is missing it didn't feel authentic to me in marriage story 
I was just going to say, oh. the one movie I can think of where they had this was Marriage Story, but that itself feels like a throwback to Kramer versus Kramer. Yeah. I mean, Malcolm and Marie was long, one big, long argument as well. Oh, right. Uh, wow. It was like just the black, the black marriage story. <laughs> An argument with why I was watching it. <laughs> <laughs> Do not, do not start Ira Madison the third. And I believe you lost. Listen, this but is yeah, it. But then any, and then you know, in real life, at any given spades table, uh, you will see also um, arguing. I, I, I mean, I love a good yelling. I mean, it's a little toxic, but you know, I think it's good to get your emotions out. But I don't. But to your point. I don't know if there's enough of it as there used to be. And I love that you, as a New Jersey native, Jersey girl, love that you chose to binge our queen, our queen of New Jersey. Oh, yes. Street, right. You know, mm-hmm. She's our. Wow. Has she fully <laughs> taken it over from um, like Dionne Warwick, another New Jersey queen? <laughs> I mean, well, Whitney took it from Dion before. Dion, <laughs> Dion had been dethroned by her own niece, great niece or whatever. <laughs> so I think she's, you know, she'll be okay. So how was Silkwood? <laughs> oh, and Silkwood, of course, a Mike Nichols movie where uh, Meryl Streep plays like a whistleblower at a plant. Okay, I had forgotten. First of all, there's just a whole bunch of random people in this movie that you totally forget about, like David Strathairn and Diana Scarwood from Mommy Dearest is in it. Oh. Think we put her in a good movie. That was nice of us. Um, <laughs> um, and Cher giving her explosive uh, Oscar-nominated supporting performance as uh, Karen Silkwood's uh, lesbian roommate. And I remember you see all the stories about this all the time. When her name appeared in the credits, people in the theater would laugh like, oh, Cher's in this movie. Mm -hmm. Like, what a piece of shit this must be. And then, of course, she wowed them. What a crazy moment in pop culture. Cher had been in um, Come Back to the Five and Dime, Jimmy Dean, Jimmy Dean before that. And years and years ago in a flop called Chastity, which they she, of course, named her child after. Um, But she this woman just decided I'm bored. It's 1983. What if I was like one of the best actors? Just like like we just kind of take it for granted now that she nailed it so hard and uh, was in subsequent great performances that decade with Mask and um, uh, Moonstruck, obviously, which she won an Oscar for. I can't forget uh, Mermaids, etc. cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, suspect. I'll give you Suspect. I love um, Suspect. Okay. Yeah. Um, I just I miss when most movies were like Suspect, just like a legal thriller. Unless I forget Burlesque. Ooh, oh, uh, you would be remiss. Uh, I, I mean, Cheryl's <laughs> <laughs> Sh- good in burlesque. She is. she is good in burlesque. Uh, it's it's sort of the thing now, I guess. We're like, um, I think we've accepted actors um, of that caliber, like doing that jump. There weren't really laughs in like Gaga being in Star Is Born, like the credits, because you were going to see that for her. You know, she mm-hmm. right, propelled yeah. herself into that, although. I'm sure there'll be some laughing in House of Gucci. I am worried. I do have to say. Every new trailer gives a new laugh for me. I cannot wait. I I mean, no, I I said this. She's making me long for the subtlety of Waluigi. Um, I don't exactly ethical, but... <laughs> she, she's deep in the spaghetti, okay? I cannot wait. <laughs> oh my god, that, that accent, my eyes flew out. Anyway. She's Miss Boyardee, okay? Okay. <laughs> she's, she, and also, that's an interesting movie because she's surrounded by like amazing actors, yes. right? You got your uh, Jer Irons and your Adam Driver uh, and everybody Adam else Driver. in that movie. But she is not even so. given spaghetti. Goes, okay, baby. She is giving Chef Boyardee dinosaurs. It is, it is, it is a lot. 
and by the way, the movie. By the way, the movie is so long too. So you're getting a lot of that performance. Yeah. It'd be one thing if she were like the. You know, Angelica Houston and Pritzi's Honor, where it's like she's seventh build, but has like a featured cool part. Then we could kind of like get into this. But as a leading performance, guys, I am it. just worried. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Ira, what are you watching? Okay, Sorry, so, I, we sort of got Well, so I've been watching um, some some equally unhinged um, performances <laughs> um, because I've been, I've been I've been ca- I've been catching up with my stories. Uh, the mm-hmm. first um, days of our lives. Um, yeah. I'm always uh, is Marlena still with yes, us? Yes, I'm always watching Days of Our Lives. But Marlena, as she was in the '90s, uh, is currently possessed by the devil again. Again, again. It's this bitch like stays that. possessed. She stays possessed. <laughs> she's being brainwashed into thinking she's a serial killer, like she was in 2003. Um, yeah, it's she's possessed again. The devil came back and, um, you know, like possessed um, Doug Williams on the show, um, who is um, played by Bill Hayes. Um, Bill and Susan uh, Hayes play Doug and Julie on the show, and they've been on the show since like the 70s and um, the 60s and the 70s. And they are like in their 90s. <laughs> and they are Good not born anywhere. Uh, so it's <laughs> nice to see like this actor in his 90s, like, you know, in such a focal point of like the intro of this, but like the devil possessed him, confronted Marlena, and was like, "It's been twenty five years, Marlena. Did you think I'd forget you?" And I'm shook. I know some of the fans are divided because it's like you're repeating storylines from the '90s, and you know it's like going into camp uh, and like insanity. But I love it. I noticed a little of both of those here. Yeah, yeah. Days of My Life <laughs> has always been camp, <laughs> right? To me. Now, you said you've watched um, Days before, Sylvia. Yes. I was an NBC soap girl because that's what my household did. My grandparents, my babysitters, they were all NBC soap. So I, by relation, soaked it in. I am... I feel like the life expectancy on Days of Our Lives is wild. The job security is just, you know, forever. And I think it may be the only show in which the devil works harder than Kris Jenner. But what I love about about it now, or like seeing glimpses of it now, I only watch Days Now through Ira's Insta story. Like, that's now where I get it from. And like, what I love the most about when you catch me up with Days, because I feel like if you've watched Days for at least like six to seven years you don't need much to know what's happening just clips here and there and that's what your ig gives me and mm. it also just shows me who's still there and i'm just like how are these people all still alive like they've been put in caves dropped in ditches you know like shot guns mm. at each other and they're all still cooking like they're just all still there i will say that currently still there are Marlena, john roman Kristen, uh, they were Victor, all like 15 Maggie. when I was watching. I yes. like they were all like in their 50s when I was 12. So how are they all still? Anyway, <laughs> I don't know how uh, they're all still alive. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Sammy, <laughs> also, Austin, Carrie, they're all there. I would say that what I love about a soap, especially this one, it was really sad during that period where a bunch of soaps were canceled um, because now they're on the yeah. air and it feels like one of the nicest things to do to like actors because like, you have someone like John Aniston who's on the show and like his health yeah. has sort of um, gone a bit. But 
they use him whenever they can and like he doesn't right. really stand in scenes anymore he's always sitting in his chair but it's like the actors on the show or sometimes are even brought back just so they like get enough work so like they have their sag insurance you know it's like it feels like a family you know like it takes mm-hmm. care of the actors it feels like a like a community uh and i love that about soaps and that's what was saddest you know when stuff like yeah uh as the world turns and like um was canceled and like all um, my children, to live, all all my children. Yeah. yeah that was canceled too you know and it's also sad i'm gonna bring it up because i know we have we're talking to gabby hoffman this episode as the world turns her father um, biological father Anthony Herrera played James Steinbeck on As the World Turns, who was the mm. villain on that show, who kept coming back from the dead. Uh, but they, <laughs> they were never, but they were never close. Uh, so we won't oh. be talking about As the World Turns. Mm. Do they invite Lisa uh, Renna back to Days of Our Lives, or is she? Yeah, she came back. She came back. She came back. Eileen David. Oh, she took a check. Yeah. I can't believe. It. <laughs> <laughs> Eileen Davidson was back. Um. Yeah. Okay. So that's Billy, fun. Billy got some shine. Yes. Mm. And okay. also, I'm just saying, if I, if if I'm in my 90s and the devil possesses me, I'm so flattered. Like, what are you gonna get out of my body? <laughs> like again, I must have it going on. Yeah. <laughs> you love me, huh? You love you some me, huh? <laughs> uh, I will also say that I've been watching season three of you. Um, which continues to entertain. Victoria Pedretti is that bitch, truly. Uh, again, when when we had uh, was it the Sarah Gamble on the show? Yes, yeah, Sarah Gamble, and we were talking about her. Like it, it was all I could do not to keep talking about how fucking amazing yeah. she is. I can't even explain it. There's something so natural and not cliche ever. Uh-huh. About her. She's gonna have a great career after this show. And what I will say, what's fun about you is the way it reinvents itself each season. This season, um. You know, you they revealed last season that Victoria Pedretti like had killed a couple people too. You know, and uh, and like right, and then (laughs) yeah, right, and then Joe was like, "Well, I'm gonna have to kill this bitch in the season two finale." And then when he put the knife to her throat, she was like, "I'm pregnant," and we were like, "Is this true?" Um, And now we found out it was true. She was pregnant, and now the season is about um, them worried about whether or not they are going to like be good parents and whether their son's going to turn out bad people like they've been in the past trying to reinvent themselves in like uh this like little like suburb area um which which is very like keto friendly they're like doing a lot of um satires of like people like rich people and like they're doing satires mm. of like anti-vaxxers um stuff like that yeah it's giving like wisteria lane yes. in 2021 <laughs> Desperate Housewives update, you know? And of course, <laughs> they still killing people. So, you know, well, it was wow. very funny when, uh, in the very opening, not to spoil so much, but it's um, their son got affected, got the measles. And they found out it was because this one um, parent was like, they don't um, vaccinate their kids. He was like, uh, you know, oh, like we, the things we could put to their bodies, but at least your son's okay. And now he has immunity. And as he was turning around and leaving, she picked up this like rolling pin and knocked him over the head and then they put him in the cage and it's like well he deserved it you you had it coming this one this one we understand yes this this lends itself rolling pin shit by the way always streganona stuff always good i will lastly say that this lends itself to the screen film that i've always wanted 
Uh, I think that like th this has such like a measured um, sort of um, you know examination of these two characters and how they feel as people that I still think that one day we deserve the scream film where we see it from the killer's perspective. I want to see mm. the person mm. who's deciding I'm going to dress up as Ghostface. I'm going to be killing all these people. How are they hiding the bodies and like doing all of this? I want to see that. Okay. Mm. I, 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 yeah. I want to see how the sauce is made. But by the way, I, I, I think we would be naive to assume we won't ever get that movie because I feel like Scream is a franchise that will be re rebooted until we're yes. dead. For sure. I mean, it's, it's, it, Michael Myers' ass is still running around chasing after his sister. It's like, ain't you tired, Excuse bitch? Also, first of all, what is he doing during any other month of the year? Is he enjoying a national park? I want to know. He's Second not making it to It's like, yeah. it's and Halloween kills. This man kills a bunch of firefighters in out in a yard. I'm sorry, man. You have lost your time. She is the Girl, first where is the, where, where is the discretion? She is yes. all, and she's always horrified, but he only hunts her down on Halloween, baby. Okay? If you want to kill Michael Myers, why don't you go find him on Christmas? While he's just unwrapping <laughs> presents, okay? Find him on Groundhog's Day. He's he's an unemployed man. He's right. You can just... I wonder. Yeah. I wonder if he got a stimulus check. <laughs> yeah, right. These are traceable. Yeah. Uh, Michael Myers, welfare queen. <laughs> that's the untold story I'm looking for in the next Halloween season, season of the welfare queen season of the welfare queen uh, alright when we're back we'll be joined by the lovely Gabby Hoffman <laughs> Imagine bold, naturally aged Tillamook cheddar slices melting over a burger, eating handfuls of thick-cut cheddar shreds straight from the bag, taking a bite out of an irresistibly bold block of extra sharp cheddar cheese. <sighs> we know you want to get back to streaming, but wasn't it nice to daydream about cheese for a bit? Tillamook cheddar, extraordinary dairy. Our guest today is a staple of your screen, a three-time Emmy nominee. She is starring opposite Joaquin Phoenix in the upcoming Mike Mills film, Come On, Come On. Please welcome Gabby Hoffman. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. What a pleasure to see you slay in this movie. My oh, gosh. thank you. Because when I hear that there's the new Joaquin Phoenix movie, in fact, it, and also the new Mike Mills movie, I'm like, all right, you know, like, we love Mike Mills. We love Joaquin Phoenix. Everything's under control. And everything else in the movie probably doesn't matter, right? No, you do matter. You're amazing in this movie. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, okay. Mm -hmm. Something I noticed about this movie, and I guess in Mike Mills' other two movies too, it's so naturalistic, it makes me wonder what kind of prep actually goes into it. Like, is it either you prep forever to make it seem this natural, or it's just he throws you on the screen and is like, just go ahead and be real. You're an actor. Um, it's, it's really neither with this one. Um, well, I know that Mike always likes to have a certain kind of, um, organic rehearsal period where in scenes are not rehearsed, but actors hang out for a couple weeks, three weeks beforehand. 
kind of do stuff together. He'll like send you out on a little play date, um, talk a lot, just get to know each other. Mike and I did that. Woody and I did that. Um, Mike and I talked a lot about the movie. Um, we talked a lot about life, uh, which the movie is about and parenthood. And um, we would read through scenes and talk about the ideas embedded in the scenes. And once in a while, kind of get into a little piece of dialogue. But we were really just getting to know each other, which was a, a great privilege and a lot of fun. And Woody and I went out to lunch a couple of times and just hung out, took some walks, talked. I proposed that Joaquin and I not meet until we were on camera. So we did not do the mm. hanging out stuff. Interesting. Um, and Joaquin, Mike says we both independently proposed it. Joaquin blames me, I think. Um, <laughs> I think he just didn't want to come to more rehearsals. So he was like, that sounds like a great <laughs> idea. I'm really behind that. <laughs> Very interesting, creative move. <laughs> yes, I don't have to go to work another Um <laughs> So, yeah, so it was kind of a combo of all those things. What What's interesting about um, your, you know, sort of interactions with Woody in the film, um, did you take anything uh, into these interactions from having been a child actor yourself? Was it sort of something that you were like, I remember what it was like, you know, when I was thrust into this. And so you wanted to just sort of like make him more comfortable on camera or was he already just sort of like, a perfect star. Woody was definitely the most professional and prepared actor on set. Hands down. <laughs> Hands down. This is a child we're talking about, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Maybe with the exception of Scoot McNary, who plays um, my my ex husband. Um, mm -hmm. No, Woody needed no hand holding. <laughs> I mean, I'm always wary, or wary is not the right word. I'm always aware of a kid's experience on set because it can. It can be so unpleasant. Um, Woody has an incredible mother who was always there and supporting him in just the right way, like a real balance of protecting him and giving him the kind of freedom and respect that he needed and deserves. He's he's an actor. This is not a kid mm -hmm. who got thrown into movies because they're cute. He is a passionate, mm -hmm. brilliant, thoughtful actor who just brought as much to every day at work as everyone else, if not more. So I didn't think that much about it. Um, I I have two kids, so more it was my my parenting experience that I was mm -hmm. using than my childhood acting experience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. I, what struck me as interesting when I was watching the movie was a lot of the scenes you have are over the phone. Yeah. Right. Like a good amount of them, and I was wondering, do you find it harder to? do act in that way where there's really like nobody's energy to feed off like directly or how did you prepare for that well typically when you do phone scenes you're just mm -hmm. doing them by yourself or maybe a supervisor right. is reading the other person's dialogue but we did them with each other so joaquin was always oh. on the other line for me and i was always on the other line for joaquin I love yeah that. so we shot those we shot the film mostly in sequential order so we did almost all my phone stuff first because we started in L.A. And Joaquin would be like upstairs in the bathroom or outside in a van or something. Mm. Then they traveled around and I would sometimes be home in another state on the phone being recorded by somebody or I'd be in the bathroom or the closet wherever they were shooting. So we were always on the phone with each other and we'd already shot a lot of our in-person scenes. So we'd already developed Got a it. real relationship together. Uh, so it was 
you know, they weren't any more or less difficult than any scene would be. Some of them were really easy and fun. Some of them were tricky. But um, I had his energy on the other line all the time, which is a big, beautiful, dynamic energy. So I got a lot, my friend. I got a lot. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. We should say that the movie is about uh, uh, Joaquin and uh, Gabby's son end up taking a sort of sojourn together. And she while well, she navigates her ex-husband's uh, problems. And so there, for a reason, she's on the phone with Joaquin throughout much of the movie. But um, I have to say, among actors that if I, I'm not an actor myself, but if I were told like, oh, suddenly you're going to meet and work with Joaquin Phoenix, I would have preconceptions about him in general. I still remember that documentary he made. I would be, I don't know about intimidated, but I don't know what the word would be. Scared. I would have no idea what I was in for. <laughs> so when you finally interacted with him in the movie and you said you just met basically in a scene, were your preconceptions shaken up at all? I didn't really, I didn't have too many preconceptions. I really didn't. I had a feeling um, about him that we, the reason I suggested that we not meet until we were on screen together. And for those who haven't seen the movie, the first time we're together on screen, I'm opening the door as he's arriving at my house and we haven't, and we play brother and sister and we haven't seen each other in a while. And I just said to Mike, I was like, I kind of feel like we already know each other. He and I, like, there's some energy there. Like, I think we have what we need um, for that scene to 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 be able to play. And the fact that we were estranged as brother and sister, I was like, let's be estranged. So I had this weird sense that he and I had a familiarity and Mike agreed. And I guess Joaquin agreed. I still think he was just being lazy. Um, (laughs) And so... It was kind of a fascinating way to meet an actor on screen in character in that playful space where you're offering so much to one another right at the onset, right in this in this world that you've agreed upon entering. So um, it was actually maybe one of my most fun, the most fun scenes for me to shoot. We did it over and over and over and over again. Um, and we improved most of it. So we just kept playing with it and new things kept coming up and we did different versions of it. And it was really playful and fun. And so we, he and I kind of got to know each other in that way um, with, and, and it set the tone. Um, I, I, I can't say that I ever felt uh, scared of him. <laughs> okay, I will good. say that at times, um, um, I will say he, he, he can, he brought out maybe the most obnoxious side of myself that's ever existed. And I, I, I love to adore Mike so much that I look back and I feel like, oh, poor Mike, we were so fucking obnoxious. We were just like hideous teenagers, you know, like pantsing each other, um, psycholo- psychologically, psychically, and emotionally pantsing each other the whole time. Um, no, I, 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 he's just so much fun and he's such a love, a, like a lovey. He's just like a big, sweet, soft lovey, um, that the idea of being scared of him is, is almost funny. I also haven't seen Mm. the Joker, so maybe that's part Mm. of it. Like Mm. I did that documentary. Oh, yeah. Somebody asked me that, you know, when we were on set and I was like, I actually don't you know, like I've seen many Walking Phoenix movies. I know he's brilliant because the things I have seen 
I've, I've, I've been blown away by him. Um, but I haven't seen mm-hmm. a lot of the big ones, but then I realized like halfway through, Oh, there was that documentary, which I really think was incredible. I mean, mm-hmm. that documentary, I got to revisit it, man. That was fucking amazing. Like, do you remember Did you see it in the theater? Oh yeah. Well, I was like, so mm-hmm. because I remember watching his David Letterman appearance and I was like, something's up here. I'm going to solve this. Yeah. I was like, I was a little on to him. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah. Um, I hear he also played Jesus. I got to check that out at some point. Yeah. I mean, have you seen the have you seen the master? I was like, the master haunts me sometimes still to this day. Like that it's a, is a, a more movie haunting than. Yeah. Yes, I, More than the Joker. Any other hugging. Yes. <laughs> that is the one for me. Exactly. Ira, the master. I was in the theater like the credits had rolled and I was still in the chair. Just like what happened yeah. just yeah. now? Like what, what did I just experience? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, the two of them, I mean, yeah. Yeah. To up. Phyllis Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah. That was some, that was a thing of beauty watching those two. It was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that reminds me of even you working with, Mike Mills because I feel like I've, I've been such a fan of his uh, beginners and then 20th century women are just so gorgeous heartfelt films that really like sort of like feel like they pull from his um, personal life um, but also say so many um, beautiful things about humanity and how he sees the world this film for me was more um, even more naturalistic than the other ones because the other two feel so expansive and you know there's all these um cuts and it feels almost like you're watching documentaries while you're watching them um and this one felt really like you were watching just people interact with someone holding like uh a camera just off um just in another room what was it like talking with mike um about prepping for this film had you seen his other films before were you a fan of his work yeah i i hadn't seen beginners uh but i i did before making the movie um mm-hmm. and uh and 20th century i revisited also you know and appreciated them so much this you know it it's each film is its own has its own life and is its its own beating heart so um you know, I don't. I didn't think about those others when approaching this one. I think a few things play into that that naturalistic quality. Um, I, I don't. I don't think people realize how poorly everybody writes dialogue. Like people mm. do not write mm. dialogue the way that people actually talk. You know, and so much mm. of the difficulty of being an, an actor or one of the challenges is making dialogue that's been written sound like something somebody would actually fucking say, right? Yeah. I spend a lot of time mm. being like, I'm changing that word. I'm not saying that. That doesn't, nobody <laughs> said, nobody speaks like that, you know, or you have to say it and you just put so much energy into trying to arrange these like awkward words or ideas into something that feels somewhat natural. Mike writes dialogue the way people talk. It is so mm. rare <laughs> and it is such an incredible joy to, to be able to work with that because then you're freed up to actually do the work of being in it and feeling it and being present in the moment with the other actor and with yourself and not worrying about how dumb that word sounds, <laughs> you mm. know? So for that <laughs> first, you know, and, you know, we played with some of it a little bit and we improvised a little bit, but mostly that's Mike's writing. And when, and when it didn't have that quality, we all knew it and we changed it, you know? Um, mm. The other thing, we didn't have hair and makeup. 
Now, mm. I don't watch much these days because I have two little kids. But when I do watch stuff, I have to say I am so like heartbroken and distracted by how everybody looks. I can't <laughs> access the people. I just feel like everybody's mm. wearing or not everybody, but a lot of what I mm-hmm. see. Everybody seems to be wearing a mask of some sort. Right. Like they're in costume and, and the character is in costume. It's like it's either Botox or whatever the fuck else they're putting on their faces to each their own whatever makes you happy. But as an audience member, I find it hugely distracting and really problematic because I can't feel what they're feeling. If I can't see what you're feeling, it's hard to feel what you're feeling. When did you know that it was going to be in black and white? Was that from the offset? Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, I was gonna say, I think what for me when I think about your career, what I always appreciate are like this these vulnerable but complex characters that you always play. I I mean, even I was introduced to you in Sleepless in Seattle, just as like a viewer. I think that's the first movie I remember seeing you in. And I actually thought of it when I was watching Jesse or the actor, the character that Woody plays, because I was like, this child is such an adult in so many ways and just so, you know, just wise in a weird way beyond his ears but also just in tune and i was thinking about like past characters where i've seen that as like a like as a child character and your sleepless in seattle role did come to my mind because she was such an adult mm-hmm. like booking joan the flights and stuff like and talking back to her parents and all those ways but i think through from then to to like now and then to like you know seeing your guest appearances and girls and even in this film where you brought such an interesting nuance to like a single mother who wasn't tied to raising your child in a very traditional way. Like I loved how she let him, you know, have these weird bits about like grief and mortality. And like when he was pretending to be like a dead child or like with her, just playing with him imagination while dealing with just the heavy, such heavy adult life events, like the death of a parent and having an ex-husband who was dealing with these mental health issues what do, do you, I guess what I'm asking is like the thorough line that you look for in characters, like are you often looking for characters that kind of have these complex dualities or is that something that you look for with your roles and why you were um, attracted to the role of Viv in the first place? Yeah, I mean, I'm interested in playing people who feel real and I've never met anybody that doesn't have complexity and duality, right? I mean, we're all... Yeah, I haven't met... Oh, we're right here. Just kidding. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Never in real life, but often in, in TV and right. movies, I'll see them write characters that are not like how I see people Exactly, in yeah. exactly. And that's just not fun to play, right? It's not, <laughs> it's not interesting to play. It's not interesting to watch. Um, every single person is fascinating if you can get into who they are. Right. And that's what I'm interested in when I'm, well, it's what I'm interested in period. It's what I'm interested in walking through my everyday life. It's what I'm interested when I watch things. And it's certainly what I'm interested in when I'm want, when I'm portraying somebody, I mean, this is the great privilege and beauty of, of being an actor is that we, you know, I get invited into a place where everybody is diving deep as deep down as they can into the very complexity of what it is to be alive. And that is, I mean, what a privilege. I can't believe I'm so lucky. So I always look for characters and projects where that is clearly everybody's interest and goal, because Mm -hmm. that's what I'm there to do. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, unless we're talking about something that's just really silly or, you know, there's of course exceptions to that, that can be fulfilling and fun and joyful, but um, Mm -hmm. primarily, yeah, that's what I'm, that's what I'm after intimacy. I want intimacy and intimacy is Mm, complexity. Intimacy is 
all those little corners that don't add up that are, you know, a, a symphony of, of notes of a person. Something I love that you keep saying is the, the phrase interesting to watch, which makes me think that when you watch, the, there are people who kind of like are borderline engaging, but then people who really nail it. Do you have a specific actors who come to mind where you're like, this person is dependable every time they aren't cliched. They are, you know, all of these nuances in one. Oh my God. So many these kinds of questions make me nervous. Cause I'm like, I'm not going <laughs> to name all the people. Um, <laughs> it's like an award show speech. It's like, Oh God, who did I forget? Yeah. I mean, there, I mean, luckily there are so many actors I love watching, um, um, you know, immediately, you know, Fran McDormand comes to mind. How could she not? Mm -hmm. Um, I certainly watching Joaquin is always a pleasure. Um, I mean, a pleasure. What a stupid word. It's thrilling, exciting, moving, heartbreaking, all of the things. Um, I just was talking about Sally Hawkins. Oh, of course. Mm. Oh. She is fantastic oh. in Spencer. I'm sorry, but oh. Happy Go Lucky might be a perfect movie. Mm -hmm. Also, um, you when you were talking when you were talking about um, Mike Mills's process where he like had you introduce people in public, I was thinking of Mike Lee actually because he does the same thing with he, uh, the Marianne Jean Baptiste story. Like he had he like went up to her in a park or something and created a moment. So you already had me thinking about him. I mean, I'll just put it on record here. My, that would be my ultimate fantasy to be in a Mike Lee movie. Unfortunately, I can't do access yes, for shit. <laughs> 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 um yeah no those those are it's interesting that you had even brought up francis mcdormand because i i was on a plane yesterday and i we had, i'd forgotten that you were in sleepless in seattle and i watched it um but then i also watched something's gotta give for the first time um Wait, what's and that? and francis what's something's gotta give that's the Jack Nicholson and Diane Keaton film from Nancy Myers. And Frances McDormand is just, just in it in like three scenes as, as Diane sister. Keaton's sister. Yeah. And she's sister. so mesmerizing in three Every scenes. Every single scene. Three scenes. No, she yeah. steals them, where, all three. Where she has nothing to do but sort of like flirt with Keanu Reeves on her sister's behalf. <laughs> what a hard job. I'm watching something's gotta give right the second we get off the floor. <laughs> Keanu Reeves is in it? Yes, yes he plays yes. Diane Keaton's love interest. It's great. Oh my God. First of all, Nancy Myers' daughter was my best friend in eighth grade, Annie Myers Dyer. Oh. And oh. their house was one of those movies. Like, I just, uh, every second that I wasn't at school, I wanted to be in the Myershire house. The pantry was incredible, the couches oh. were so comfortable. It was everything you wanted it to be. Um, it is gorgeous. I can't believe I've never seen it. And it's just, it's there's something about just the the rain, the settings, uh, Diane Keaton and these like cream oh, turtlenecks. Yeah. It is, yes, it's, it, a it's a joy. I mean, Francis McDormand and Keanu Reeves, that, yes. that might be as good as it gets. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I had no idea that was out there. God, I got to come out yeah. from under my rock. <laughs> it's oh. it's so weird to see her in a, a supporting role, though, because she's so commandingly uh, real. I, I just rewatched uh, Almost Famous recently, and obviously she's amazing, and that was nominated for that. But another performance that's mostly on the phone, by the way, and it's just like. Yes. I almost the movie should feel a little bad for confining her to a supporting role. I just some some people deserve, you know, the, all the heft of a movie. But until what? A handful of years ago, she was always in the supporting role. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. let's face it. Let's be honest. 
most watch most movies the best actors are often in the supporting roles right i mean mm-hmm. character sure. actors right totally yes. luckily we've gotten past this now and francis mcdormand is starring as she should but also the idea that like i mean i just said that but i'm going to contradict myself because supporting roles are great if they're well written and there's no, you know, we every role should be filled with great actors and it shouldn't matter how big or small it is when it's good and juicy. You know, it's just mm-hmm. as as satisfying as an actor to play. And oh, you yeah. have no, to be no. at work a lot less, which is sometimes great. Wow. Great point. Well, also, <laughs> this is secretly why the supporting actors at the uh, supporting categories at the Oscars are way more interesting because it's more like, you know, always, the, you know, the, mo- right. the, the, the evil mother or the, right. you know, uh, the scheming <laughs> daughter, you know, people like that. Right. 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 Mm-hmm. Not just the prettiest yeah. person who made themselves look the ugliest that year. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> I love a hot tank. <laughs> uh, well, Gabby. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, okay. It uh, it was really a joy to watch this film and you in it. And I'm I'm also so overjoyed that um, you're going to get to experience something's got to get. I can't wait. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm so excited. So many many hours I wish I could watch it again wait. for the first time. And how, and, how stoned, <laughs> and how stoned do you have to be? <laughs> just stoned just and enough. like a, I was just I took enough. it I had an edible on the plane and I also had like three glasses of white wine. Oh oh so, oh, oh wow one edible yeah. plus three glasses of white wine. Okay, I, I guess I'll be putting this off until the evening. <laughs> well, by the way, three glasses of white wine should be called the Nancy Myers. So I think it's just a perfect. I was about to say, I feel like three glasses of white wines is like the perfect way to, to watch any Nancy Myers movie. And mm-hmm. I love learning that their homes in real life are as beautiful as they are in her movies because mm-hmm. that's always like my thing about the Nancy Myers movies. Yeah. The homes, the kitchen. I know. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But speaking of Nancy Myers movies, I was on a plane recently and I watched the one, I know we're supposed to go, but with, with, um, um, Meryl Streep and Steve Martin and Alec Baldwin. It's complicated. Oh, it's complicated. Yeah. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. Meryl Streep and Steve it. Martin stoned. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Hilarious comedy. Uh, Absolute yes. comedy. Uh, <laughs> I love that so movie. Good. Thank you, Nancy Myers. <laughs> uh, yeah. Thank you again for being here. This was really wonderful. Thanks so much. That was so yeah. much fun. Thanks, guys. With chocolate treats mixed into dark chocolate ice cream, the Tillamook Chocolate Collection is a chocolate game changer because the thing that pairs best with chocolate is more chocolate. Tillamook Chocolate Collection Ice Cream. Extraordinary Dairy. And we're back with our favorite segment of the episode. It is Keep It, Sylvia... Guest of honor, why don't you go first? Okay, so I have a very literal keep it, and it goes out to Kim Kardashian and Pete Davidson in this relationship that everybody's trying to make happen. Keep it. <laughs> I don't want it. I don't want it to be a thing. I, I, I it's, the, it's the last thing. I just, when I made up the list of rebounds that Kim Kardashian might have, I mean, initially, nobody white was on it, so there's that. But mm. <laughs> if she was going to go back to her own race, I wasn't thinking Pete Davidson. I'm like, what does this man have? 
well, Ariana said some things, but I don't know if they're true or not. But I just don't. I get the whole BDE situation, but I don't like it. I don't even know if it's really a thing. Like, you know, they were just holding hands on a roller coaster and suddenly, which if you've been on a terrifying roller coaster drop, sometimes you grab the person's hand next to you is all I'm saying. So, like, I feel like the fact that it just was Mm -hmm. there and it was clearly a group because you can see Kim's publicist in the row ahead of her with, like, her husband and, like, a group of friends. It could really just be something innocent, but I just felt like Twitter just took a hold of it and was so excited for the chance to just run with this joke. And now poor Pete Davidson is being dragged through the timeline about how he passed <laughs> around more than like a vape in high school and like all these terrible <laughs> tweets that I like can't stop laughing at. But I'm also like, all he did was hold Kim's hand on a damn roller coaster. I know she was fired in New York, mm-hmm. but also like, which. Uh, did you see the headline where it was like Pete Davidson's native New York, like him yes. in like his homeland? That was wild. And I was like, <laughs> the only reason you would ever go to this small town. I, yeah, I was Pete like, Davidson's I was. That's when I said. That's when I said enough. <laughs> Enough! <laughs> you are not gonna make this a thing. Please keep it. Lala, Kim's best friend, had a big Halloween party this weekend, and maybe, just maybe, that's why she was in New York City. Um, and you know, maybe it was just a kiss for a skit on SNL. And even if it's not, Kim, if you're listening, I'm begging you. Chris Jenner, if you're listening, I'm begging you. Do not roll with this one. Pick another route. I know you guys are noticing how much we're enjoying seeing Courtney with a white man, but this is not the one to go with. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I mean, there used this used to be a, a familiar phenomenon called David Spade, where they would just be up and dating, and you'd be like, "What well, Terry Hatcher, Julie?" Thought Bowen, about that recently. Jump from one to another, and the whole and the deal is, you're funny in five seven or whatever the deal is, and I it's really there's baffling. Something about funny people, you know, and mm. maybe it's just they're they're more. Well, well we were talking about. Um, <laughs> Something's got to give. And there's a there's a commentary in it about, you know, how um, Diane Keaton's husband has uh, left her. Um, and now he's with a younger woman. And Jack Nicholson, uh, you know, only dates younger women. Like he's dating Amanda Peet, who's her daughter in the film. And that is about, you know, the fact that like the dating market is usually just like older men, like going after younger women. And then because they're mm. not attached to men, they become more interesting, you know? And I think that comedians like funny people because like they're dealing with a lot of their insecurities and like hang-ups and like they're becoming interesting and turning that into comedy there's they're much more fun to talk to or just probably their energy to be around is different from like the general just like hot men that any mm. of these actresses could find you know if you're terry hatcher yeah. a right. string I'm of sure like, hot mm. dudes in the 90s who you could date they're probably idiots <laughs> right, yeah. right. Or self serious or whatever. So if you have a comedian, there's something refreshing about yeah. how, yeah, upfront about their humanity they are, etc. But you're right. There's something about this pairing that's just It's tiring. We've just been bombarded <laughs> with both of these people in a tabloid <laughs> sense. And so to put them together is just I don't want it. It's just too much. I'm just, I'm a young woman. I can't handle a lot. (laughs) It's like a season eight of Melrose Place pairing. You know, it's (laughs) Kim Kim and Pete have been on the show for eight seasons. And And well, we don't have a storyline for them. them, So now they got a date. It's It's giving cancel the show. It's giving cancel (laughs) 
time to find a new one. I I just I'm against it vehemently, and like it's also my 2021 bingo card has been all wrong and crazy, but I'm begging <laughs> that this square not be a thing. <laughs> it's like when Lisa Turtle and Zach Morris finally get together or for a split second mm-hmm. during an episode. It's like, we didn't ask for this, and clearly you guys are just bored. Yes. What's happening? I want to, I want to, <laughs> I was even thinking about that because I'm like, for one, the pure innocent version of this is they were on SNL together for a fucking week, and you know what happens when you work with someone and you hang out with someone like I've been in New York or like you've been on the set with someone and you're like, hey, I was thinking of going to this theme park or like there's something on your mind. And the person's like, hey, I'll go too." it's something as easy as like two human beings wanted to hang out with each other, you know, and it's also just got me thinking that bored thing, Lewis, about like celebrity culture and the idea of like these pairings, even. And a celebrity hanging out with another celebrity is gossip and news just because they are famous people where for us, like just hanging out like it's it's not news. It's just interesting that like any of the tiniest interactions can become a full blown story because, yes, it's right. it's giving like two people who know each other in a friend group. And it's like, what, 15 years later now you're dating. It's like it, it makes no sense. It's boredom. They're hanging out. It's giving boredom from the press trying to make this yes. into a story. I because you know the people are thirsty for anything that doesn't have to do with Kanye and Kim now. They're ready for the Kim rebrand. Mm. They are. They are. Right. They're getting ahead right. of themselves. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> is, is she even divorced yet? She's still I love no. that she's I love that she's still going by I love that she's going by Kim Kardashian West still though. She's giving she much, changed she, it legally. Yeah, I remember yeah. that episode. She made such mm-hmm. a deal about it. So I guess she's I, gonna have to that gives me like Erica Kane. I love like I love like a I love like a star, a diva who like continues to keep the names of the men that she's married. Same. It's like it's like and then she's gonna use uh, the yeah. excuse like, well, my kids, mm. I have to they have to I don't wanna be confused. You're Kim Kardashian. Your kids' teachers are gonna know it's you picking your kids up from school. <laughs> you don't have to have Wes at the end of it, like Kim, the average Kim mother. Davidson? Sure. Kim Davidson, I don't know who that <laughs> is. Do not make me hang up. I will leave right now. <laughs> do not even speak it. <laughs> uh, Lewis, <laughs> what is your keep it this week? All right. Well, my keep it is going to sound pathetic, honestly. What it is, is that keep it to the same two Garfield jokes everybody makes. Okay, here's what's going on. Chris Pratt is going to be voicing Garfield in a new movie. Now, as I'm sure you know, there have been not only the two Bill Murray movies, but before that, there were a whole bunch of Garfield TV specials, some of which were actually pretty good. But here's my problem. One, by all means, make jokes about Chris Pratt. I heard somebody comment that, is he taking all these voice roles? Because he's also doing the voice of uh, Mario in that movie. Is he doing these roles because he doesn't want to get vaccinated? And in voice roles, you might not have to. (laughs) It was a good theory. I'm not saying it's true. I don't know. But... um, now there's all these jokes about Garfield and like people I saw comments about lasagna about Mondays. Guys, there's plenty of other fertile material to talk about regarding Garfield. First of all, he is a desperate performing hack who gets on a fence every night and people throw tomatoes <laughs> at him. People don't talk about Garfield as thirsty and that is what he is. So let's start there. Two, wow. to first of all, second of all, Garfield is abusive. Garfield is knocking Odie off a table every day. Okay, why? Just because Odie's a little dim and he's drooling. 
I drool sometimes. I don't want to be kicked off a table. Problematic. Mm. Also, Nermal, who he always sends to Abu Dhabi famously, he gets fed up with the annoying Nermal cat and sends Nermal to Abu Dhabi. He's not putting any food in that box. He's just sending a normal. He's sending normal to die. It's like it's 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 like a world war story. It's horrible. Um, anyway, there's lots of lore. He's friends with that uh, female cat Arlene, who has red lips creepily because we don't know how to make female anything in comic strips. Mm-hmm. You know how it's like putting a bow on Pac-Man. It's like that's not a woman. Sorry. <laughs> uh, so anyway, just diversify your Garfield humor. Um, and I also just want to stick my neck out for the original voice of Garfield in the cartoons, who is uh, Lorenzo Music, one of the great speaking voices ever. And he was the uh, was Carlton the doorman on Rhoda in the 70s. And you never saw him. You only oh. heard his voice. And, uh, nice. and just an incredibly rich speaking voice that if you haven't heard it recently, go and watch an episode of Rhoda. Go watch old Garfield and you'll hear a, a pretty expressive and like oddly sexy voice for a cartoon i'll say it so anyway mm. well you know i'm i don't like i don't trust cats sure so i'm here for all your hot takes against garfield because you're they just have way too much they're just they're just a lot of attitude for somebody who's living in my house rent free mm-hmm. and i'm feeding you and you just we can't communicate if you're gonna mm. be that sassy we have to be able to communicate and they're just <laughs> you know and because i can't i don't trust you you might like her, I don't know what she might do, but I don't trust it. Like dogs are just like blindly loyal and lovable, and I just like I I like that. You know what I mean? It's it's almost like I'm I'm giving cats a lot of credit. Like they're very they're much smarter than dogs. But like for me, I'm gonna need you to treat me a lot more lo- like loving if you're gonna be living here rent free. No, like, cats what? are like contestants on Survivor, which is sometimes they they they, <laughs> they appear to you and seem to be loyal and seem to want to give you a lot and seem. Like there's like you have a real relationship and then they disappear for a while. So it's like, yeah. you just want something mm-hmm. from me. There's something manipulative going on. I have too many trust issues for cats. Yes. <laughs> right. Okay. Cats are always looking for an immunity idol too. Oh, so yeah. you will lose. They're just going to switch up. The loyalty is not, it's not there. And I need loyalty if you're going to be living with me. So when yes. I think about Garfield, by the way, I always think about that one artist who did the Garfield comics where they took Garfield out of it and it's Correct. just John talking to himself. Right. <laughs> dark. That was pretty good. Dark. Dark series. It's a dark week. Um, so my keep it this week is to the announcement that there is a new Real Housewives franchise, uh, the Real Housewives of Dubai. Speaking of Abu Dhabi. I was going to say, the Lewis, Emirates are lit where? this week. <laughs> uh, like, Abu Dhabi is the second most populous uh, place in the um, United Arab Emirates where Garfield will always send Nermal um, to torture her. And the, the most populous place is Dubai. Why are we doing a Housewives franchise here when, one, you have... 10 other cities that you could be working on, Andy, okay? Like, Real Housewives of New York is on its last leg. It's comatose. It is is, uh, on do not resuscitate right now, okay? And (laughs) you need to fix this show. You need to worry about Real Housewives of Atlanta, uh, which is losing cast members left and right. And then you got people like light-skinned Keisha filming with the cast. I'm like, I don't need that. I don't even I don't even like her. We already got Mulatto to change her name Mulatto. 
And now we got light skin Keisha running around naming herself this. I don't want white people saying the name light skin Keisha. Okay, I don't I even want light skin people are- saying light skin Keisha. Um, but Real Housewives of Dubai. I don't want to be that person bringing up you know like um human rights violations you know and United Arab Emirates you know because it's also you know like that's not our country you know I'm not trying to you know like label it as a villainous evil place but you know there are women's rights there are in peril you can't really be gay there there's all sorts of other um rules and things that happen in dubai um especially for decorum in public that just seems like the diametrical opposite to what you go to watch a housewives show for like cursing in public um swearing throwing glasses fights between women like how are you going to to get that there's gonna be a lot of there's gonna be a lot of cash trips is what i'm predicting uh and listen i get the allure of it because one thing about the Real Housewives is, and as much as I love Potomac, uh, one thing about the Real Housewives franchises is that what started as you watching a show about rich and glamorous women who have a life that you can't afford, there are plenty of housewives on television who I make more than. <laughs> oh, God. So um, the, 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 sort of the fantasy has gone away. You know, uh, that's I think why that's I stick with Beverly Hills because <laughs> that's I, where the money is at. <laughs> except for Erica Jane. Woo! Well, uh, we did take okay. a dip. We did take a dip. Okay. We did take a dip. <laughs> um, but I will say that you know maybe people are missing. So I get that people are missing sort of that fantasy. You know that's why people liked Bling Empire so much, even though I did not personally like it. Um, they want the rich women in Dubai, you know. But I feel like these are all mm. just going to be expats with a lot of money. And as Bravo is sort of like tried to reckon, you know, with like Bravo did this whole thing about how you know like we're firing um, Stasi and Kristen, you know, and we're like reckoning with like racism and like how we're actually representing people on screen, right? And then that all sort of like vanished. <laughs> they were sort of like, you know what? We don't really care anymore. And I feel like just doing like Real Housewives of Dubai shows that you really don't care. Because, you know, like you know, the, the women and the gay men who are the audience for Bravo, like they can't go to Dubai and like um, check out the sites. So mm. what's good? I can't even decide where I would want the next Real Housewives franchise to be. Hmm. I would want it to be like Agatha Christie glamorous. Can it be like Real Housewives on the Orient Express? That'd be amazing. Well, you know, they have Ultimate Girls Trip coming up, which is where um, so some of them went to Turks and Caicos, like from different franchises. I'm so uh, excited. And they're going to hang out together. And then there's oh, another one. Oh, it's like one. Bachelor Pad? Like yes. a combination of casts? Yeah, wow. like they there's... brought like Kyle, Cynthia and Kenya, Ramona. It was like... Yeah, yeah, they brought like people. Uh, I think Teresa and Melissa from New Jersey. Like it's a mashup, and th- and they filmed the second one at um, Dorinda Medley's Bluestone Manor um, that's going to air next year, which is like ex housewives, um, and they were all <gasps> gathered in a mansion. Uh, so that, if it that's turned into a like murder mystery, would be very fun. <laughs> It seems like it's the only way it can go. If, yeah. I mean, if there's I mean not especially a death... in Dorinda's house. Dorinda's house is, looks like the clue board, the game, <laughs> the game board clue. Uh, so it would be perfect. 
it does sort of just make you wonder where the franchises are going now if we're jumping to Dubai. You know, it's like there are other American cities or other countries, you know, where you could have done this. And it just seems like is the Real Housewives as a franchise as a whole slowly dying or is there something happening to shake it up? You know, mm. I think like what's interesting about this is it's going to be led by Carol Stanbury, who was one of the standouts of the three season Ladies of London. And it's like, why not mm. just have Real Housewives of London and bring her back? Well, she moved to Dubai. So that's why that's happening. But um, plenty of other cities, you know, Houston. I blame. Yeah. Houston. You know, I would, yes. I would, I would love a more diverse city. You know, Tiffany Moon Chicago. was on Dallas and was terrorized by white racist women. Um, build a show around her, like an Asian show around her, um, because I'm also tired of the um, Asian Real Housewives being on shows with predominantly white women. And then the fans of those shows hurl like um, racist comments at them like they did at yes. Crystal Minkoff on Beverly Hills. You know, so like they could expand in other areas. And Dubai just seems... It seems problematic for a lot of reasons. Uh, I'm like, can Andy even go and host that reunion over there? They would have to have it here, I would think. Uh, I blame Sex in the City, too. Still. <laughs> I blame, I blame Sex in the City. Yes, right. Like um, Kip. Right. Speaking of Kim Cattrall, I, 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 I'm with Kim Cattrall. I just blame Sarah Jessica for all of it. It's just, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you know. Her and Andy are tight. And so I feel like somewhere the influence happens. <laughs> mm, mm. Andy is the only fan of um, Sex in the City too. And whenever they're whenever they're at dinner or lunch, he's like, "You know, I love that movie." And Sarah Jessica Parker only hears positive reinforcement about it from him, so that's why she loves him. We figured it out. That's Cynthia. Out. That's that's my guess. That movie and like Rabbit it. Hole in the same two year span. Woof! What a life! What a life! <laughs> Yeah, right. And then ran oh, for mayor. Governor. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then wore and then wore a Rosa Parks nah shirt while on set shooting oh, and yeah. just like that. <laughs> Cynthia <laughs> Cynthia Nixon. Okay, girl. You know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it was the pause and then okay, girl, for me personally. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, Real Housewives of Dubai. I have concerns. Will I be watching? Yeah, I see it. Probably. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, I, Andy wins again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really care about human rights violations. <laughs> uh, all right. That's our episode. Sylvia, thank you for joining us. Sylvia uh, is one of the co-hosts of the wonderful uh, podcast. Okay, now listen. Um, uh, a Netflix podcast, which I love always trying to figure out how to say that title when we've done ads for it. Okay, now, listen. Okay, okay. now listen. Okay, okay, now listen. Okay, now listen. You know, it's up to you. Love, love, you know, the synergy and the marketing here. Thanks for love that you guys do ads for us. <laughs> and now you guys get the full experience. <laughs> but yes, no. Um, thank you for having me. I've been a longtime fan of Keep It. Ira and I go way back. We used to be co-workers at the, the feed. And um, I am so excited to have had a chance to come on here and now you guys can stop dming me there every time i take a picture with ira like <laughs> come on keep it <laughs> <Silence> <laughs> <begins now. laughs> I would, 
Girl, I will say that keep it fancy that with anybody they see us with, okay? I'm sure there are comments <laughs> under every photo that Lewis has with his mom. When is she coming on Keep It? <laughs> the, let me tell you, the Keep It fans are a resilient bunch. They are they are on the internet finding where you guys are doing your lives and just want it there. So I love it. I'm happy to be here. But yeah. no, this was fun. Uh, what a so pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for being here. Yes, and thank you to Gabby Hoffman for joining us as well. Uh, we'll see y'all next week. Keep It is a Crooked Media production. Our senior producer is Kendra James. Our producer is Caroline Rustin. And our associate producer is Brian Semmel. Our executive producer is Ira Madison III. But I, Louis Fertel, do a good job too. Our audio engineers are Charlotte Landis and Kyle Seglin, and the show is mixed and edited by Charlotte Landis. Thank you to our digital team, Matt DeGroote, Nar Malconian, and Milo Kim for production support every week. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.